What does a vice president of operations for a very well-known beer brand in the Midwest, an internationally famous beer drinker, and a brew master have in common? It's my next guest, John Mallett. John Mallett is the vice president of operations at Bell's Brewery. He joins me, totally lays out all the inside information, everything you'd ever want to know about a brewery, a specialty craft brewery. Every beer-loving, beer-drinking fan, you're going to want to listen to this episode. He totally turned me on my head, made me rethink completely what is a competitor. Is it what you think it is? Stay tuned. It's going to totally change the way you do business and the way you can collaborate with your competitors. People want to know when you work for a beer company, what what are the boundaries for when you can sample the product? What come on, tell us what's the inside story. Well, I think something that uh, people really confuse is the uh, the act of, of of tasting beer and drinking beer, and those are very different activities. The act of drinking beer is something that I do, you know, at home on the weekends, and is awesome. And I can hold a conversation and all that. The act of tasting beer is very deliberate, focused, and is not necessarily pleasurable. With tasting beer, like like acting as a flavor instrument, and that's really what we're doing is we're turning the a, a person into an instrument. It's the most sensitive inf- instrument available. Um, well beyond the the uh, analytical capabilities, you know that process is not is not generally done in a group setting. That process is is focused. You're in a tasting carol. You're presented samples that you don't have very much information on. Um, you're looking for specific things and trying to identify and elucidate them, and then and then you then you depart. When we had talked, it it really sounded like there was a unique something happening here within your industry. You you realize a need, and you created this really unique way of of collaborating with your competitors. And I've I got to be honest, in my industry, I've never I've never really done that, not in the way you have. So, yeah, I mean, your comment though about your competitors, I think that's interesting because how you define your competitors, I think is a, a, a really salient question. Help us define, you know, what is a competitor then? Sure. So if I think about, um, you know, the, the business environment that I sit in, there are, you know, there are collaborators and competitors out there. And if I think about what a competitor, what it means to be a competitor, um, you know, in the classic sense of somebody who's doing roughly the same thing I'm doing and, uh, and you know, a, a customer out there is, is deciding between A and B, and and we want to help them make the right choice, i.e., you know, the product or service that I'm making. And I would argue that you know, in some ways, if I think about you know, who is my competition? It is uh, a multinational 
uh, beverage company like Budweiser my competitor? I, I don't know that they are. Um, you know, somebody who's looking for for uh, craft beer um, may not be looking to drink, uh, you know, Milkalob Ultra. I would also say that, you know, beer is hopefully the most discretionary of project products out there that if somebody needs what I make, I likely don't want to sell to them because that's, that's a scary, you know, that's it's a scary thing to think about. They need it. They are dependent. They are, you know, that, that's, that's not who I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody to make a discretionary choice to, uh, to buy what I make. And that is, you know, that, that is the beverage of beer and, and high quality flavorful uh, beer. Now, if somebody's doing that because they are getting a sense of community with their friends, could they do it by playing a video game together? Sure. You know, if the end result is that, you know, that's the case. So in some ways, isn't my competitor the lure of the couch in the basement with a video game? Um, so in that respect, other beer makers are not my competition. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's kind of, again, funny how you, how you start to frame this idea. And so from that standpoint, if the craft beer drinker is promiscuous, loves to you know, sort of drink around, um, and the other offerings out there in the world taste like complete crap and somebody can walk away from that experience and say to their friend who they're playing video games with, yeah, I tried craft beer once it wasn't that good, then we both have lost. So by uh, making high-quality beer in a community, aren't we all assisting each other? Are those competitors truly competitors? Um, so that's a, you know, kind of a philosophical thing, but, uh, but that's you know, a, a take on it, certainly. We all are faced with choices. So in the executive search world, I might – wrongly or rightly say so and so is my competitor however we, to your point my actual competitor is linkedin my actual competitor is the internal hr professional or the talent consultant that they've hired on a contract basis right to do the work what i would want in my community is to raise the quality and the service and the level and the respect of my community of other recruiters so we become a, as you say, a discretionary choice. So I'd have to agree with you. I wish I could have argued with you a little better on that, but unfortunately you're right. <laughs> I love okay. a good argument, but you're right. <laughs> so <Cool>. why don't you, <laughs> dang, if you were looking for a fight, I just didn't give you one there. I mean, you just, you, you, I kind of saw where you're going with that. So craft brewing is, I, I'm very familiar with it. I, I love craft beer. Um, but why don't you get us started with, a little bit more about you because this is a really unique space and you know how people get into it and become very well known and experts in the field i think is a kind of a mystery to people so why don't you give us a little bit of an introduction as to just who you are john and how this all came about yeah so uh, i'm john mallet and i'm the vice president of operations for bell's brewery um in kalamazoo michigan area uh, I've been in my role for about 20 years, and I've been in the industry for about oh, almost 35 now in total. And I've held a variety of different positions prior to getting here. And um, and you know, in the time of of my professional arc, I've had 
unbelievable uh, opportunities, ones that if I had been told in college that this was possible, I would have, uh, you know, run to it um, and instead sort of found myself to it. So I think that with the uh, with the exception of Australia, I think I have been uh, flown to every continent in the world to drink beer and to to pontificate about the beer drinking experience. Uh, that's pretty effing cool. You know, that's, that's that a great, it's pretty amazing. I, I'm a recognized expert and, and all these kinds of things. And it's, I mean, that's just, you know, it's just a, a really cool thing. And, and, you know, I, I came into, um, my role thinking, Hey, I'm going to go and work at this place for a little while until I go out and get a real job. I have still not left and I have no intentions of leaving anytime soon to get a real job. So, um, well, it's one of those unique positions where it's very obvious that your your passion and your work and your love of life, they all just merge together and suddenly it's it's not working. Oh, and by the way, you're getting paid. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. You know? So you're actually an internationally known beer drinker. I mean, that is quite a – that's like a T-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it could be. I, I am curious. So what is this – history of craft brewing you know when did it start i know you've kind of given this tour you've explained it all over the world but why don't you tell us here for uh for our audience yeah sure i mean so if i think about the history of you know sort of beer in the world in america in america you know brewing was uh you know brewing beer like beer became the beverage of choice uh, about the time of the civil war and it experienced a really large uh growth at that time uh, pre predominantly fueled by, you know, the German American or Germans coming to America and, and bringing their traditions with them. Um, the advent of World War One and subsequently the prohibition, you know, that, that dark decade plus long period of uh, no alcohol uh, sold legally in the country uh, really started to signal a decline in the number of breweries. So you sort of had this it's rapid expansion and then, and then a contraction. And that contraction continued after Prohibition closed, after World War II, um, with the consolidation of brewing concerns. And so, um, you know, that got to a state in the you know, 1970s where, you know, this large number of breweries had now shrunk down to, you know, sort of the, the largest and the biggest and, and a couple of small ones that kind of stayed close to ground, but they were, they were quickly dying. And, you know, in this time, there was also a real homogenization of uh, beer styles, you know, the types of beers that were being produced. So, you know, really, we sort of had got to this place where there were very few companies, and those the ones that existed sort of made two styles of beer, a style that had very little taste, and then another style that seemed to have even less taste than, than very little taste. And... This developed a, a hole in the market, which um, was explored by, you know, predominantly Americans who traveled overseas and went to places like, you know, England or Belgium and discovered, wow, there's this incredible uh, diversity of flavor out there that does not exist in this country. And these folks, but you know, some of them came back and started to either uh, homebrew beer, which was illegal until uh, President Carter signed legislation allowing that. And then some of these homebrewers then said, you know what, I think I could do this professionally. And they would 
cobbled together very small operations, um, and some of them grew. And, you know, if I sort of think about one of the granddaddies of all this, Sierra Nevada, which is about 40 years old this year, um, the, you know, they, they founded by this you know, young tinkerer and uh, you know, flavor aficionado. Um, and that grew over time to, to, you know, appreciable size. And the numbers of breweries has, has really uh, grown in an exponential manner. So, you know, we saw, you know, back when, when I was a kid, you know, there's like less than 100, well less than 100 brewing concerns in the United States. And today there's five, 6,000, uh, you know, across the United States. So just an incredible resurgence. You know, what once was, you know, the American brewing industry was seen as a laughing stock uh, if you went over to Germany when I first went over. And today it is viewed as sort of the best place on the planet, the best time on the planet to be drinking beer, to to see some of this stuff. And I, I will tell you that um, my entry into this was early. You know, I was uh, just getting out of college and went to work in a brewery when there were basically no breweries and have my, my career arc has tracked that of the this real rise and resurgence of breweries out there in the United States. Really small, sleepy towns that are going through a resurgence or need to go through a resurgence, they really need a craft brewery because from that comes the food and from the when you bring in people for food, then you bring in other means of entertainment. And to me, it's literally the igniter, the, the little flame that's needed in these small little towns. So you've probably seen that, uh, that, that expansion and, and that explosion as well over the past 40 years. Yeah, I mean, I think about there's a really great journalist uh, by the name of James Fallows who writes on a, a host of topics, um, I think for the, usually for the Atlantic. But he did a survey across sort of like mid-sized towns and up-and-coming towns back many years ago and saw this was one of the markers of like, hey, here's what, a, you know, what separates a dying town from a, uh, you know, from a, 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 a small town that's newly resurgent. You know, hey, they got some craft brewery stuff going on there. And at this point, like every place has got a craft brewery. It's it's awesome to see the, the diversity out there. So why don't you kind of walk us into this uh, working or collaborating with your quote-unquote competitors? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so, you know, like my, you know, you know I, I come from uh, a family of, of hard science academics. And, you know, so I was sort of the black sheep of the family to be going into into industry a little bit and um and was really motivated as much by food and cooking and and, and that uh, as as anything else uh the creative aspects of that um and when i went into the brewery i was i had a pretty unique experience because uh i was brought in as an assistant um when the head brewer the long-time head brewer was leaving and the head brewer's assistant then stepped up to become the head brewer, and then I, I and another guy became assistants. And within a month, this guy said, "You know, I don't really like that this much, uh, and I, I'm going to I'm going to leave." And the most qualified guys there were myself and this other guy with a, you know each of us with one month of experience. So we were thrust into the role uh, of running a brewery. And I'll tell you, I made horrible beer. We you know <laughs> we did not really know. We didn't have the training. I mean, and this is this was an issue, you know, from from every aspect, you know, sort of safety on down. Um, you know, how do you get that 
how do you get that skill set? Now, I, I'm a voracious reader, self-educator, and, you know, embarked on trying to find out information. And clearly I was not going to go down to the community college and start taking classes on beer making because there were, there was not that opportunity. There were only a couple of educational opportunities in the country. And so just started, you know, trying to consume as much information as I could and to integrate that into, into practice. Um, eventually I, you know, I figured out that, Hey, you can go and do this, uh, course in Chicago is one of the only courses out there, um, with a brewing school that, you know, had started in the 1800s and was still there. And, you know, people with last names like, um, Bush and Pabst, um, were, you know, were, were graduates of these, of this program and, and, you know, continue to go there. So I was like, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll go do that. And while I was there, you know, a whole world of information opened up to me. And, and when I, when I finished that, you know, I went to, to work at another brewery and ran that program, but continued to go back to that school on a periodic basis to pick up more information, to try and be a better brewer. And in the course of doing that, uh, you know, the staff there noticed and said, who is this young guy who keeps coming by to, you know, photocopy, you know, articles and, and ask questions and use the resources. And might he be interested in teaching? And I thought, you know, here I am, you know, you know, in my mid twenties at most, uh, being asked to teach, you know, some people who were, who were far older than I was and, and more experienced. Um, and I grabbed a hold of that. You know, at the same time, I had the opportunity of, of, you know, folks who maybe visited the brewery from a trade association. Hey, that's a cool thing that you developed there. Might you be willing to write an article for our magazine about that? And sure, if it's useful for somebody else. I mean, this thing didn't cost me very much time or money to, to build or these ideas that I have. Um, I'm, I'm happy to share because I'm selling beer in that local market. And if it assists somebody who's, you know, literally 3,000 miles away and makes their job a little bit easier, why wouldn't I? Um, and, you know, based on that, you then start this, this process of networking. Um, you, you know, you, you're leveraging the educational materials. Um, you're doing, you know, sort of self-guided professional development. Um, and, and you, you know, I started to, I guess, develop a bit of a name for myself as somebody who, you know, might not know the answer, but will go out and find the answer. And then it's going to do a very complete job of presenting that information. And that opened up just a world of stuff for me. You know, I'm, I, at this point, I am uh, a younger man than I am today, certainly, um, you know, all fired up. And I will tell you that one of the places that I think professional development can fail and networking can fail is maybe it's not all that fun. Well, when I'm saying professional development, I'm talking about going to a beer festival with people. I mean, that is my buddies. That is, the, the CPAs just wish they had made that choice because they have to go get their CPE credits and sit in a dull room for 40 hours. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm sitting in a dull room, but I don't know if the CPAs are opening up spreadsheets at you know 10 o'clock in the morning, but I was. <laughs> you know, and I don't mean a spreadsheet. I mean a beer, you know. So I mean, it's not like it's, you know, wild bacchanal party, but 
you know, the opportunity to to have interesting flavors and great discussions and and all that is is wonderful. But you know, as with any industry, when you find those people who are say you know able to say like, oh, you're having that problem. I had that same problem too, and here's how I found out. You know, the answer to it. And you know, the the, the you know the, the sort of stuff doesn't end at the end of the day. But you know, you go out and you have a beer at the end of the day of talking about beer. You're going to go out and have a beer. And you know, some of these folks are have become very close friends. I mean, standing up for each other at weddings and these kinds of things with with people that I have never lived within a thousand miles of. Um, you know, being you know, just being incredibly uh, you know close with, with with them has been is fantastic, and all of it feeds into the ability to experience a passion for work that um, that I just adore, and these other folks just adore. Um, you know, and being there then for the birth of kids and, uh, you know, every manner of, of, of fun, you know, these are things that just feed into the willingness to go do those, that extra, go the extra effort. Um, and, 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 you know, so I, I absolutely love that. And then, you know, on top of that, being recognized for your work, you know, on a national or even international basis, I mean, these are all things that help you get better. And to me, this is a, a positive feedback loop. The more you do it, the more you want to do it. I'll tell you, you know, some of the stuff that, you know, we've done, you know, like there was an an opportunity identified years ago, like who's making the great beer? Who's making the best beer? And so there's a festival that occurs annually, not, not in 2020, called the Great American Beer Festival. And at that festival, there's a, you know, a customer facing sort of tasting event. And that's, you know, heaps of fun. But there's also a judged competition, and who better to judge the beers than the beer experts, i.e. the brewmasters? And so we get together, and um, you presented blind samples, which you are very focused on tasting very small sips of and trying to determine, like, what is that? Is it in style? Does it have the right balance? All these kinds of things. And I'm very interested in this because if I'm looking to make a particular, say, lager style, then having the opportunity to go to an event like that and to see of all of that style that's made in the world or in the country, who's making the best to taste that, put that across my tongue and think, can I do this? What are the things I need to do? And also have the opportunity to talk to this brewer who, again, you know, if we're both selling through pubs in our local towns, thousands of miles apart, why wouldn't we give each other information? There is no competition. Somebody's not going to say, are we going to drive a, you know, uh, 750 miles in this direction for a beer tonight or 750 miles in a beer in a direction, the other direction for a beer tonight. You know, so we're not really competitors at that point. We're, we're in competition at, at, at a beer festival, and maybe we don't give away all the secrets or all the techniques, but, you know, there's there's very little impediment to, to sharing that information. So, you know, in the course of doing this, you know, one of the places that maybe we, we identify is that, you know, Hops have these great flavors, and I want to learn more about hops, and we learn about that from each other. And, you know, you do that, you learn techniques at professional conferences and these kinds of things. And, you know, one of the, one of the, the uh, uh, things that I absolutely love is the opportunity to do that, to, to just learn with each other. There were, what, just thousands? Well, I don't know. I don't want to put words in your mouth. I don't know how many hops farmers there were, but this was – 
kind of like the genesis of what started this concept? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, the hops are grown in the United States and, you know, predominantly in the Pacific Northwest, but, you know, you know, uh, Oregon, Washington, and Idaho. The number four spot is in Michigan, which is you know kind of cool. But um, you know, Oregon and Washington are far away from Michigan. And if I'm looking to buy hops, I'm looking to buy hops with flavor attributes, and I'm also need to verify that the food safety practices and uh, you know just general business practices are aligned with what. Um, my, the, you know, the, the, the end customer, the beer lover, uh, expects, you, you know, like nobody's sort of thinking like, oh, I, hops taste better with tractor uh, hydraulic fluid in them, right? So if, I, if I'm looking out there and I'm thinking, how do I buy these hops? Well, you know, we can go out in the open market and buy hops, but, but maybe there's, do I really have all the information? And, you know, I, I look to the, the old, the legacy Anheuser-Busch. So this is before Anheuser-Busch was bought by InBev. And I really look at these as two different companies with that, that maintain the same logo. But when, uh, when Anheuser-Busch became Anheuser-Busch InBev, Anheuser-Busch, legacy Anheuser-Busch, had a Ph.D. hop scientist on their staff that would run around and look at the hop suppliers to make sure that they were doing the quality practices they needed to, putting separator magnets in, making sure that sanitation audits were done, you know, roguing out fields, all these activities. And I was at a conference um, with another brother, hop-focused craft brewers who happened to be there, and word had come down that, you know, Anna Bush InBev, in an effort to cut costs, had discontinued this program. And I thought, well, wait a minute. Um, the guy who sort of oversaw quality and drove initiatives across the entire grower spectrum uh, was just let go. And, you know, I've seen enough Western movies to know that, you know, when the sheriff uh, disappears from town, there's not a lot of good that tends to happen next, right? And thought, well, we can either be reactive to this or proactive. And reactive is going to look like quality practices are no longer followed. We are unaware of it and uh, we suffer the consequences. And I looked around and I thought, well, you know, there's all these hop growers out there and there's far too many for um, little bells to, to understand, to get a full spectrum of, you know, or full, full scan of the environment. So how do we solve this problem? And when I looked around, I saw, Hey, here's, you know, Tom from this company and Matt from that company and Vinny from the other company. And we're all sit facing the same problem. Not enough reason. We're under resourced to do this work individually. Now, if we could share that work and share that information, all of a sudden we've got the coverage. So many hands uh, make light work. And so, you know, very quickly, like, you know, we, we pulled together an ad hoc meeting and an, empty room that just you just, would just was there and said let's go out and do this let's figure out if we can get the the uh the, the boston beers and the uh new belgiums and and the deschutes of the world together to solve this problem and and we formed up an organization and at this point that organization is you know completely volunteer uh driven uh, we do actually have now one one part-time staffer who's 
who's doing some of the administrative and, and other lifting work. Um, but at this point, it's a much larger organization, and together we get together and discuss what are those quality challenges that we can as collectively uh, address. And it has just been a wonderful example of um, alleged competitors. And, you know, if I look across, like, you know, where my beer sits on tap, one of those other companies, their beer sits on tap too. But it is pre-competitive for us. We're going to, to lift this together. Well, it sounds like you've kind of created a, a consortium. So did it go further than that in terms of working with these uh, hop brew, uh, hop growers to get better better pricing because you were buying across uh, you know a spectrum or was that a little too complicated to tackle? No, I mean, we're very focused on our mission, which is about uh, communicating quality through that entire uh, value chain. So that's everywhere from the brokers that we buy from to the growers that are growing to the uh, breeders that are making new hop varieties to the researchers that are helping to drive some of those decisions. And we want to be, we, we don't want to be seen as, uh, you know, a group that's coming with a, a price based cudgel to, uh, you know, to, to do, to, to, to come at the, this industry. We are exclusively focused on quality and, you know, and, and with a pretty good aim at, at, at the food, at the, you know, sort of food safety aspects of that. By focusing on quality, the underlying assumption is they have to be as competitive as they can. So that you kind of let the free market, you know, take care of itself. And your focus, your eyes on them is all about getting, getting the highest quality. And like you said, you filled the vacuum. Yeah. I mean, I, and realistically, if I said, you know, if somebody's got, you know, particular, like maybe, they, maybe they're not killing it in these areas, but they're, you know, uh, but as a, as a brewery, as an individual brewery, I say, hey, pricing's important to us, and it's uh, those practices are okay. All it's doing is is shedding light there, and I can make those choices. Like, is that really a big deal for me? I mean, it might be anywhere from you know farm practices to processing to whatever else. Individual breweries make those decisions. All that group is doing is providing the information so that you can be an you know a, a, a informed purchaser, an informed partner, you know? One of the things that we talk about on this podcast is skills that just show up, that we do so effortlessly that it's just natural to us. It's almost like breathing. And if you had to take a, a look in yourself and figure out, you know, what are the skills that show up for you? What What is it that's enabled you to be so successful? Have you you think you can put that in, into words? I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but be kind of curious to see what uh, what you use to get things done and, and and be successful. I'd say absolutely collaboration builder. Like it's just a, it's just natural to me, and you know, part of this comes back to like what fires us up. You know, I've I've, I've sat on and driven you know many technical committees at other organizations as well, and I will tell you that. Um, People have a great time doing this volunteer work. They want to do it. And it might be because I'm making sure that it's a fun, uh, inviting, accepting, um, and, and exciting uh, opportunity. You know, and that could be anywhere from, you know what, uh, sure, we got to get up early and because uh, it's the only time in the entire conference schedule 
that everybody is free, but you know what? We're going to have, we're going to have breakfast beer, you know, and, and, and joke about it. And, you know, you have a beer and it's kind of a goofy thing, but where else can you do that? You know? And so I bring a lot of that sort of spirit of fun to stuff that, you know, somebody thinks like, Oh, I got to go to, you know, look at the technical reports and the technical committee. Like, you know, God, I don't want to do that. No, people want to do that. We, we have a great time doing that. And I think that's a real skill I have is to, to bring people together in a way that, that builds community in, and, and provides a greater value uh, just in life experience. Yeah. So I think that's the, that's really the trick for those of us who are not in the, the most amazing industry, that of, of brewing craft beer, is if we did want to collaborate and start working with our, well, what do we call them? They're not our competitors. So, so, so what do I call them? I mean, like-minded companies? What, I mean, what do I call these people now, John? I, I look at these as people who are battling the same problem. You know, we're, we're all battling the same problems. And, you, you know, and again, you know, like it's, it's not necessarily having beer. Hey, have that meeting around the pool. We're going to, we're going to have the, we're going to go to the pool. And by the way, I'm, I'm providing the sunglasses, you know, <laughs> who are those people over there at the pool laughing and having a great time? Oh, that's the technical group. Ah, yes. Or the finance committee. That's the finance committee. <laughs> you know, you know the, the style and the way that you're doing this, it shows that there is probably a better way to build these uh, collaborative networks. Well, I look at the people, you know, the people who are involved in this work are investing their time, which is valuable. And they could be, you know, having that time with, you know, with friends, family, whatever else. And they're choosing to do that. So what is the value proposition that drives their participation and their passion? And granted, I have a different lever through the lens of beer than, than, than perhaps somebody else does. That's true. But you do that, have an advantage. But that, but that exists, you know, that exists in a myriad of ways. So do you communicate that in, or is that just kind of understood now? So you're not always describing what this value add is, or when, maybe when you go to add a, a new member, do you kind of pitch it? I mean, how do you do that? Yeah, I think a lot of it is, uh, it is just, if, you, if you're in that group, uh, you know, if I think of it, if I'm going to a professional conference, you know, I'm always interested in talking to people and, you know, you know developing that one-on-one -on -one, uh, relationship with them that you understand, you know, if you can understand their problems. And I mean, and this also goes to the way that, you know, you, you, you work with vendors as well you know you, you know like we want to i want to i want to understand what the challenges that those that i'm buying from face if you know if if labor is their biggest thing i want to know that so that i can you know uh hopefully provide some some easing of that that natural pinch point or tension and, you know, clearly I'm not going to show up, you know, at the hop farm and say, we're here to pick hops, but just the recognition of that helps to build, um, a, a, you know, a, a, a spirit of shared mission. Um, and that we are in this together. I look at those vendors as vendor partners, very long-term. I mean, I'll tell you, I had amazing experience last week, um, where I, I was invited to go 
to um, the oldest malt facility in the country, and this was being shut down, and they asked if I would come and um, turn off the kiln for the final time to spend time with it. With, with it. Now, what else was I doing there? I was there to validate for them the importance of the work that they've done, the importance that some of their employees, 44-year 40, veterans that I had, you know, like they had a chance to work with guys, you know, has been in the same spot for 44 years. But to be able to say what you do is important and helps us to make the very best beer in the country, um, you know, that's a that you know, like what was the what was the pressing business case that I was solving, uh, you know, by going there? Uh, I, I I can't point to that, but I will tell you that. Um, by engaging with the, with the, you know, with that entire group, both the, the employee on the ground and also the manager that, that works with them, that adds value. That, that adds value to their organization and that in turn adds value to our organization. Yeah, I think you were just, you, you were operating on an emotional level. You didn't have to say anything. The, the, the fact that you were there. Oh, yeah. And, you know, showing up with, you know, you know, they're in Wisconsin, so I, I showed up with uh, you know, you know, some some hats from the brewery in Green Bay colors, right? <laughs> you know, like, hey, you know, that's the low hanging fruit. You know, you, you you're smart. You gotta you gotta realize half of them probably own a share in the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's great. So I'm just curious now. I know we didn't you know discuss this beforehand to to you know to mention in the podcast, but. I would love for you to tell all the listeners about Bell's Beer. And, you know, for those who are not in Michigan or they're not, um, you know, in the Midwest, you know, tell us a little bit about the beer and kind of what the different, uh, you know, beer styles that, that you brew, where people can find it, and just, you know, how to connect with you guys. Yeah, so, you know, Bell's, Bell's is one of the oldest craft breweries in the country. It's founded by... Uh, Larry Bell, pretty young guy when he got this thing started on, you know, on, you know, I think it was like 200 bucks his mom had sent them. Um, and, uh, and has grown to be recognized as one of the, 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 the very best beer breweries in the country. And we're one of the larger craft breweries in the country at this point. Um, we make a wide variety of different beers. Um, uh, interestingly, the, the American Home Brewers Association, um, who ostensibly know a fair amount about beer, host an annual poll, what's the best beer in the, in the country? And for the past four years, our two-hearted ale has won that accolade. For the prior seven, we were number two, and, and we flipped with my good friend Vinny out in, uh, out in Santa Rosa. Um, we sell our beer through about 40 states at this point. Um, and, you know, again, you know, good, you know, just really interesting portfolio of styles that, that we make out there. Um, if you want to find out more about the beer, like where you can find the beer, you can do that through our beer finder, uh, app on our website. Um, you know, both mobile and otherwise at, at bells, beer, B E L L S beer.com. And the beer finder will help you find the, you know, a retailer nearby where you can, where you can find our beer. I'm, I'm very proud of the beer that my staff makes um, here at the brewery. You know, do just very meticulous approach to a natural uh, a natural product. I, I run a facility that makes about a, the equivalent of about a million kegs 
a year. Um, and we do, you know, some keg beer, some bottle beer, some, some can beer. Um, and then we're shipping that all over. We've also got um, a pub downtown. We can hold one of those licenses. You know, brewing industry is pretty regulated. So there's sort of the producer, the wholesaler, and the retailer are three different licenses. And you can only hold um, one of those classes. Well, there's a small exception for, you know, for a brewery can have a, a retail or two retail uh, outlets in the state of Michigan. Um, and, um, so, so yeah, we're doing that. And then, you know, but, you know, down the street, there's another brewery and they're, you know, they're, you know, they're making a small amount of beer and maybe they're serving sandwiches with it. And, and that's the, kind of their scene. Um, and there's, that's the, you know, the, the vast majority of breweries out there are pretty small. Um, so barriers to entry pretty low. Yeah. Okay. I see your point now because of the regulation. So you're, you're really going to make your money through the distribution, you know, from the brewing and the distribution. And then you let the, the retailer or the bar, whatever, handle the, the serving and the pouring. So you just, the, you you just supply the best beer. Yeah. Well, we, yeah, exactly. So we're, you know, our, our, like the sort of the value stream, the supply chain stream is, you know, the brewery makes the beer. We sell it to a distributor who has um, the right the, and the sole right to sell our beer to retailers in a defined territory. So that could be, you know, the state of Ohio or it could be, you know, the, this town in, in, in Colorado, right? Um, so there are part, there are distributor partner, and then they are in turn selling it to, you know, a supermarket or to a bar or to, you know, wherever, where it is then being purchased by the, by the end consumer, by the beer lover. So you said it's re- so it's regulated. So is the distributor regulated in terms of the territory they can sell it, or are you the brewer regulated as to where you can sell it? Like you're based in Michigan, so does that mean you can only sell to I don't know a certain geographic territory? No, we, we can sell it. We can grant distribution rights to anybody to any licensed distributor for any. Uh, you know, any area. So, you know, when we're setting up a new distribution, it might be, you know, the Southwest corner of, of Nevada is going to go to this company. And then there is no other distributor that sells Bell's beer in that territory. I got it. So it's that special relationship with the distributor that they want. So that's their, uh, their competitive advantage in the market is that they're the only game in town that can sell your beer to them. Yeah. 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 And they may have, you know, Hey, we sell the Miller Coors products. We sell, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the Texas brewing company's products and Bell's products, you know, I'm curious. So if there's an entrepreneur out there that wants to start a craft brewery, would they contact you and say, we want to, you know, partner with you guys and have a, a brewery and a, you know, a, a kitchen and serve really cool food. I mean, how does that work? Can they have that kind of a one-to-one relationship with, with, with Bell's? Well, we don't partner with, uh, with any other breweries to like get them started or anything like that. Um, though, you know, our, one of the trade organizations that we're involved with the Brewers Association based out of Boulder, Colorado has really excellent resources and they are the voice of the small and independent uh, brewers in the United States. Um, they've got fantastic resources in terms of like, you want to start a brewery, there's a start your brewery book and, um, and, you know, great 
demographic information, you know, onto, you know, here's some of the equipment or construction considerations you might have. That's a, a fantastic resource and one that, you know, that we at, at, at Bells have always supported. You know, the Brewers Association is a fantastic, uh, fantastic community. Um, and they're the folks who put on the Great American Beer Festival, you know, so they've helped to drive the renaissance of, of amazing beer in this country. Uh, John, this has been fantastic. I'm so glad you were able to uh, take time out of uh, being, you know, an internationally known beer drinker to uh, (laughs) (laughs) come talk to us today. Yeah, absolutely. It's a a real pleasure. You know, again, you know, the the work experience um, takes so much, you know, especially for those of us that are, that are, you know, driven, um, takes such a large part of your life and, why not do it with passion? Why not? And, and, and why not, you know, drive it to the next level? And that's, uh, you know, again, I never would have guessed that, you know, being, you know, be, having the opportunity to have very close friends from all over the world uh, in such an industry was possible, but, but it is. And I'm, well, like you said, had you known about this when you were in high school, you would have ran to it, although you would have not been at the, at the legal age. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it worked out. Yeah, it worked it out. It worked out in the end, yes. Well, thanks so much for being here, John. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity again, Tony.